I thought I would begin uh, by talking a little bit, and then I'll preach, if that's all right. So um, I won't, and I won't do both for more than an hour or two um, a piece. But uh, I, I, anybody else in the room found themselves uh, looking up the last few days more than normal? Anybody else in the room? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you, you've been looking up, it, and it's usually the sound that catches your attention first, and then your eyes are looking at the sky. And I'll be honest with you, um, there's something, uh, uh, I mean, I love it all the time, but this week especially um, has increased my awareness of how just standing still and looking up at, at planes, of course, I'm talking about planes, but how it, it takes me back to like my childhood. I mean, there's, there's, something, there's something about just being in awe of that thing up there, being able to stay up there because they're heavy, right? You know, and, and, and just standing there and going, wow. And so that's, that's what I've been doing for the last few days, and maybe you've been joining me as, uh, as the air show's been going on and, um, and, and planes have been flying overhead and uh, and it's it's been great. One one of the one of the great things about this church, and it's been this way for a long, long time. One of the great things about this church, and there's like a thousand, there's a thousand things, and so this isn't like number one or even number ten, but it's on the list of the, the thousand great things about this church is that where we are right here, right here physically, is right across the street from a school. I love that. I, I love that. Um, I, I think the church, I'm, I, I'm, uh, Butch didn't tell me I was wrong when he was at the 9 o'clock service. Um, the, the, the church has been here longer than the school has. Is this right, Kay? The church has been here longer than the school, but the school's been here a long time. Um, in fact, I've got photographs that people have shared with me where, uh, where, where the school met in the building because they were building the school or they were doing something with the school and they took photographs on the front steps of the school. Like there's, there's um, uh, and maybe, in fact, I'm actually could be um, this could be crazy, but some of y'all could have been in some of those photographs. How many people, um, regardless of whether or not you took a photograph, how many people in this room actually went to Bonaire Elementary School at some point in their life? Anybody? Look at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes, yeah. Just the other day. Um, <clears throat> all of you, it was just the other day. Burned in 1948, yeah, yeah. And maybe it was around then that, that they used our building. That's it. You finished the fifth grade in the chapel, yes, yeah, yeah. I saw a copy of an old test you took. Um, it, was underneath, it was underneath one of the pews in there, but you got 100, you got 100, but it was underneath. Yeah. No. But yeah, that, that's, that's exactly, there, were, there was a time in which, so my, my point is that we're right here across from the school, and, and that means, and y'all all don't get to experience this, but, but the staff get to experience that, we get to hear the best noises five days a week. You know what I'm talking about? It's the sound of children. It's the sound of kids playing. 
I'm certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that, uh, and, and, and there's science to back it up, but, but, but even just hearing sounds of children at play release in our brains these, these, these chemicals into our bloodstreams that just remind us of goodness. It's just amazing. I mean, so, so five days a week, I mean, walking to and from my car, walking from one building to the next, even um, I, I, I'll, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, frequent one of the uh, two fine dining, I guess there's three when you include the Taco Bell, but I'll, I'll go to the Subway and um, uh, dining establishments of here in downtown proper, you know, Bonaire, and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll ride back from going to the subway, and I'll roll the windows down, and I'll drive real slow just to hear the kids on the playground. Because there's something just, just right about kids bursting through the door and running out to play. A, a, woman, uh, a woman translated the Bible for children. It's the Jesus Storybook Bible. And this is, uh, this is one of the this is some of the language, one of the verses that she included. Her name was Sally Lloyd-Jones back in 2007. You can, uh, you can read it with me. It says, um, uh, Look, God and His children are together again. No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying because all of those things are gone. Yes, they're gone forever. And then I love this line that she uses. She's trans- translating the Bible and she says, Everything sad has come untrue. That, 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 that at the end of the world, that at the end of the world, the sad stuff is somehow not just erased, but it's, it's untrue. That God has the power to take a thing and change it. And here's, I mean, preach it. I mean, God does that. God takes the thing that hurts and he has, the, he has the power to turn it inside out. It says, And see, I have wiped away every tear from every eye. You, um, you would recognize those same verses um, more like this. It's uh, Revelation 12. Excuse me, Re- Revelation 21. Um, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them, and they will be His peoples. God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making all things new. This this is the word of God for we the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. This, this, this. I mean, this makes my heart just want to burst through the doors and run out onto the playground. This is, this is the truth that God is putting it all back together. This is, this is the truth that, 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 that God has this power, and it's at work even now around us. God has this power to take the stuff that, that is so devastating and, and make it not true anymore. 
And, and this isn't like fairy tale pie in the sky. This is what God is doing. To be a disciple of Jesus, and, I'm, and again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching yet. This is just me talking. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to follow and imitate and to try to be like the one who is putting things back together. Who's, who's, who's taking the stuff that's not right and speaking to it and, and, and caring for the people who are involved in it in such a way that on the back side of it, they're different. This is what it means. This is what Jesus did. This is what it means to be like Jesus. This is putting the world, this is putting the world back together. All right, so... Um, So let's preach a little bit. Uh, Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. This 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 is John's version of a story that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all also told. There's actually very few examples of, of stories that all four Gospels tell. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke did things differently, but here's John um, doing his version of the same thing. It's, um, uh, it's called Feeding of the 5,000. It says, After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, that is the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. Jesus looked up and saw the large crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? And Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. I think this is more about Jesus understanding that, uh, that, 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 that there are more that there's more than one dimension to the way the world works than it really is about him testing Philip. Jesus is not walking around going, hey, you know, what's, uh, you know, 122 to the square root? I mean, he's not, he's not doing that, but he is trying to help Philip to understand that, that, that what you see is a hungry crowd, but, but there is something else that's happening even in the midst. This is, this, is so, uh, this is so prevalent in all the Gospels, but especially John's Gospel, where, where Jesus is able to, to take people from only thinking on this level and helping them to realize that there is another level. If you want to call it the God level, if you want to call it heaven or, or the kingdom level, but there, the, the world is happening on two levels. And our eyes, oh Lord, our eyes too often are only just tuned in to what's happening around us. And we're sort of oblivious to, to, to the God that's happening as well. And so, so he, asked, he asked this question. He has this question of Philip. It says, um, Philip replied, I, I love this, because he's still on the first level. I mean, at this point, how much had he seen already? I mean, she'd already seen. He was around in, in John chapter 2 when the wine steward came up, you know, to the, to the bridal party and is like, party's over, we're out of wine. I mean, he, Philip was there, but he's forgotten. He, he's like, more than a half a year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even a little bit. 
but one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and, 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 and Simon Peter was the oldest of the disciples. He was, uh, he was probably, I don't know, very old, 15 or 16 years old. And so this is his younger brother. And so he's a youngster himself. And he says, hey, one of the youth here has five barley loaves and two fish. <laughs> but what good is that for a crowd like this? But what good is that for a crowd like this? So, again, remember, um, what was the name of this story? What, what was it? What did John describe the story as? The feeding of the 5,000. But you guys know, you know, 5,000 was only counting who? The men. Say it with me loud. Let me get all the women in the room to say they only counted the men back then. That was good. That was good. They only counted the men back then. So five, the feeding of the 5,000 was the 5,000 men but but the women the women were counted too i mean excuse me the women were included in 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 the feeding too right so if if there are five thousand men how many women were there say i like that answer a bunch that's very specific but it's right it's a bunch because we don't know we don't know I mean, it, it, was, it was probably a bunch. It might not have been a bunch. And I, and I got a little anecdotal story about that. I went to Georgia Tech. <clears throat> Is that, that's funny to some of you. Because, um, because there were like 5,000 men, you know, like, on, like just on West Campus, you know. And 5,000 men, and we went to school with like seven women. Um, because, uh, it's, and it's true, um, it was three. But it was, it, was, it was three when you were there. Um, uh, it wasn't seven, um, but the ratio when I enrolled in the fall of 92, the ratio was three to one. There were, uh, there were three guys for every girl, and, um, uh, and it was just, it was tough. Uh, but I mean, um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was bad. And half the girls were in the library. Like, you couldn't speak to them because they were in the library. Um, you know, uh, I, don't know how many, I don't know how many women we're at the feeding of the 5,000, but there was a bunch, right? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. One more level. Where there are men and there are women, what normally follows after them? So how many people are here? Way more than 5,000. And this is, the way, this is the way we preach this story, right? We preach this story to say Jesus took a small amount of stuff and he fed a bunch of people. Everybody say glory, hallelujah. That's it. But, but, but here's the other part of the story. Is that Jesus took a small amount of stuff and he felt a whole, fed a bunch of whole, whole bunch of people, but he did it with a small amount of stuff that was contributed by someone who didn't count. It, it, says, it says in there that, that Andrew walks up and he's got a young person with him. And the young person didn't count. And it's the young person that contributes the stuff that feeds everybody. Now, I'm not discounting Jesus. Jesus is a big part of this story, right? I mean, Jesus is a big part of the story. Jesus is the guy that can take and do that loaves and fishes math. You know what I'm talking about? Loaves and fishes math. You don't know what that is. Loaves and fishes math is what happens when they do loads of love. And they'll walk up uh, to, the, to the laundromat, get her done on North Davis. They'll walk up to the laundromat and they'll have like $250, $300 worth of quarters. And then they'll do like 
$300 worth of, you know, laundry, and then at the end of the night, they'll have $350 worth of quarters. And you're going, okay, well, that's, the math is not right, but it's because, because volunteers and people show up and they, and they add to the amount. This is, this is true. You guys, um, you guys just the other day took money borrowed, I mean, not, uh, drafted money, draw, draw money, drew money. Okay, let me start over that again. Um, just the other day, you uh, took some money, collected some money out of the church's um, uh, fund, but you, it had been months since you had done that because you are able to sustain loaves and fishes mathematics at loads of love. I mean, Jesus does that on Friday nights in North Warner Robins, and Jesus was doing that here. But the fascinating thing is, in this story, in this story, it was one of the ones who wasn't counted that delivered the goods. It was one of the ones, I mean, Caroline, for two reasons you wouldn't have counted in this story, because you're not old enough and you're not a guy. I mean, two reasons you wouldn't have counted, and yet, And yet if your clothes were dirty and Caroline and her crew clean your clothes, then she counts, right? The problem with growing up, and and it's real, the problem with growing up, and you're going to go, I know the problem with growing up is bills. You know, bills. They come every day in the mail or by email now. Every day. The problem with, and that's true. Bills are a problem responsibility is a problem. Having to get up in the morning. Alarm clocks are a problem. I can go on and on, all right? All these things are problems. But one of the problems with growing up, and every adult in the room has experienced this, is that at some point, somebody either says it out loud or does something so that you, that you hear it inside your head. And that is, that is, <clears throat> your contributions aren't needed. One of the problems with growing up is that someone has lied to you and said, no, we, we don't need that. Or, 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 or today, today, what you've got to offer, it doesn't count. And, 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 and how you, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not young enough or old enough. The problem with the world is that the world has lied to us and said that we don't count and that our contributions aren't needed. And yet the gospel story, the Savior is helped by someone who didn't count. I, um, we had that baptism Sunday uh, two months ago. And that week I, I, got, um, I got an email because I had opened up, I think, my little devotion that morning before. You remember we, we went out here and we, um, uh, we had the water out in the, uh, uh, in the entranceway. And, and I had said, how many people remember where you were and who the preacher was and, and what the date was and all that kind of stuff um, when you got baptized? I got an email that week. And, uh, and this is what the email said. It said, I was six years old, right, check, I remember where I was, 
um, I was at the Barnesville, Georgia Methodist Church check, and I remember the preacher's name was John Tate. So like this person's emailing me to say, I remember all three things. But then he goes on and tells me a story. That morning, Sunday school was, about, was all about God loves all the little children and Jesus' love for the little children too. It was like, and then Sunday school was over and there was 10 minutes before church started. So I ran out and played outside and that was good, right? But then I played longer than 10 minutes and all of a sudden I could hear the music playing inside the building and I knew I was late. So I ran as hard as I could up the steps and into the front door to find my family only to have an usher grab my arm, put his finger to his mouth and have me sit down on the back bench and told me to be quiet because I was late. This, this happened, okay? Methodist Church, long time ago in Barnesville. And so, so the person writing the email says, um, so I stood up on the back seat, right, of the back pew back here, because um, this would have been a real church. They would have had real pews, not these, you know, nice cushiony kind of, you know, things that are so nice to sit on. So, so they're on the, standing up on the hard seat, and, um, and they're able to look up front, and they can see the preacher there, and then on the fourth row, they can see the, um, their mama and their uh, two sisters and a brother and a baby, and they're all up there, and he's way back in the back. And it says, the, the preacher, the preacher starts preaching, and he's really into it. And he's driving home the message. And it's, and it's all about Jesus loving all the little children and wanting them to come to him. And, and sure enough, he says, I did. And he gets down out of the pew and he starts walking up front. And, um, and his sisters and his brother sees it and they follow him. And, and all of a sudden, there's, the, there's this little boy and his little posse and the preacher stopped talking. The preacher looks down and says, son, what do you want? And he said, I want to see Jesus too. And so uh, the email says that um, the preacher looks at the mom and says, Mrs. Cole, come on down and bring your baby. And he turned to some of the men in the church and said, uh, get some water. And that the sermon was only halfway over, but he didn't preach anymore. He just baptized. And that the preacher, after they were done, explained how Jesus wanted me to see and grow up and that how I needed to be good or I may not get to see him one day. And at the end of the email, he, he just simply responds, I could not forget that day. Signed, Robert Cole. And many of you know Robert. Um, he was at the 830 service this morning holding up the corner of the building um, there on the back pew the left side, just like he was that morning so many years ago. See, see, for me, for me, the vision of the church is to be a place where every person is counted. Where every person is counted. Where every person is, is restored to the belief that all of our contributions matter. That no matter what the world has said, no matter what the world has said, that, that, that we count and that we're needed because the way the story goes is that God is putting the world back together and through his just unbelievable strategy for doing it, he needs us to do it. I mean, he needs us at the clothing closet and he needs us in the food pantry because those are his people that show up on Fridays. I mean, he needs us in Belize, and he needs, I mean, and he needs us here on Sunday morning. 
Because what you're doing right now, sitting next to and sitting on down the row from someone, is, is you're reminding them that God wants us here. And he not only needs us here in this room, he needs us back there. Because well, I, was, I was having this conversation with, uh, with a friend of ours the other night. And uh, we, got to, we got to have dinner with some friends and then go to a concert. But before all the fun started, um, Cassie is her name. Cassie and I are having this conversation. And, um, and it was really light. It was really easy. Um, we were talking about public schools, right? Talking about public schools. And we were talking about some of the things that were good. And then we were talking about some of the things that weren't good in public schools. And Cassie, is a, um, she's a school teacher. She's taught in public schools in the past. And, uh, and so we're talking about, and her kids go to public schools. And we're talking about public schools. And and um and we're talking about some of the things that aren't right and then and then we go on to something even easier um and uh, we're talking about youth sports right with me youth sports um which i happen to believe um and i'm a sports guy uh, i happen to believe that youth sports um the commissioner of all youth sports is uh the devil and um the sponsor is hell um i mean, and i mean like really right right youth sports is just it's just ridiculous I mean, it's ridiculous. And then, and then, um, to make you feel better, uh, we um, we moved on from those topics to talk about um, something really easy. We just started talking about Washington politics. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You take you take you take schools, and it's not the teachers, because the teachers and administrators will tell you they tell you exactly what's going on. And and you take youth sports, and it's not the kids. And some of you need to know it's not even the referees that make youth sports so tough. And then, and then if you want to get down to it, all of the craziness that is Washington politics, all of it, all three areas and every other area, the breakdown is with the, is with the core unit of the way God has made the world. Every one of them, the breakdown is with families. I mean, you want to make schools amazing? Fix the families. Because those kids that are off the chain up there, they're, they're coming from places that have them convinced that that's okay. And youth sports. I mean, it's those moms and dads that have this completely wacky notion that somehow the way they perform today on Saturday, October the 1st, or whatever, is going to get them a college scholarship and put them all in a mansion when they go pro, right? And, 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 and when the left and the right and the red and the blue and whatever party it is that you're railing against on Facebook, when they're acting the fool up in some state house or capitol building, they learn that from somewhere. So my, my vision for the church is not only a place where every person would count and every person would contribute, but my vision for the church is, is, is that it would be a place where families are put back together. Where, where children are cared for when parents are helped. When, when children have their lives turned around because their parents are reminded that parenting is more than just making money and putting a roof over their heads. Parenting requires more than that. 
I, I, think, I think God delights at the sound of children playing. And I think the gospel reminds us that for Jesus, everyone counts. Everyone counts. And that includes you. And that includes me. Let's pray. Lord, help us to hear the truth in all of the noise of the world that you have made us and you have gifted us and you have blessed and just covered us with goodness and grace and that who we are and what we have to offer counts and, and, you're, and you, even you, are counting on our contribution. You need it. to help put the world back together. Lord, we pray for families. We pray for children and for parents. And we pray, pray that we would be the place that continues now into our second century of helping families and helping children to hear the good news and to be a part of your work. Forgive us, we pray, for all the ways that we've gotten it wrong and point us back to the places that you have it right. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen and amen.